Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am here with E.M. I cannot remember <laughs> the last name from Twitter. Um, basically, Emma. <laughs> we have Emma on the show today, and um, she is the author of Labors of Stone. And we are going to talk about her book, and we're going to talk about writing and life and all of those fun things that you guys have come to love about this podcast. So grab your tea, grab your wine. Grab your laundry, Caroline, and we're going to get started. Hello. Hello. I, um, when I had posted on Twitter, I think it was Thursday, like late Thursday, um, I had put on there that I tagged you and then I was like, I don't know her first name. So, <laughs> so I just, I literally just called you M, like in all capitals, just E M, because I'm like, oh, oh no. So yeah, yeah. Pl- please, please do call me M. Um, it's it's what I go by. Um, M, M works yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, M is cool. M is fine. Um, <laughs> okay. And just just so you know, um, I do use they them pronouns. I was just um, getting but- ready to ask, so. But you're all cool on the on the on the she here. That's fine. It's just it, it's they them mainly. Uh, and and I literally was when he, when you said that I was literally getting ready to ask because I'm like you know, <laughs> unless I know for sure, I usually try to um, try to ask and, and make sure that I'm using um, correct pronouns. So um, I didn't know, so I kind of just went back to default. Um, but yes, I was j- literally preparing to ask. So, no worries, no worries, um, no they, they, them, I will do my best to remember that. Um, but since you and I are chatting, it's going to be you, your probably at this <laughs> point. So uh, I'm not actually talking about you, um, anymore. Um, but yes, I will try to remember that definitely for future reference. Um, just, you know, a little side note to listeners. We always try to be respectful at the picky bookworm, like always. Um, I, um, I was talking with somebody, I believe it was my friend Rue Sparks. And, um, I was talking to them and and they use they, them. And, um, I had, um, I had asked them because, I, you know, I wasn't sure. And I was doing a, a meet the author uh, blog, po- blog post on my blog. And, you know, I'm like, I'm going to try to remember my brain goes for they, them is grammatically incorrect when speaking about one person. <laughs> so, you know, um, but I always try to ask, always try to be respectful. Um, 
And, you know, I, I apologize in advance if I ever screw it up, screw that up. So, um, so anyway, real quick, um, can you kind of just introduce yourself a little bit? Let us know how you got started writing. Um, what is your favorite part about writing? Um, so I'm Em. Um, I have two books out in the world at the moment. Um, they are Moon Sitting, which is a very sort of moody, atmospheric sci-fi book. Um, and then Labors of Stone, which is almost the complete reverse. Um, I say that Moon Sitting is my moody teenager and Labors of Stone is my happy toddler. Um, it's, it's very cute, very wholesome. Um, and just very warm and queer and fun. Um, but yeah, uh, I got into writing when I was about eight years old. Um, and everyone in my class voted that I should be put forward for a writing competition. And since then, that's, uh, that's, that's so been cool. the whole story. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like for, um, uh, here in the UK, we have lots of little like, writing squad things in different areas around the country um so in primary schools they'll like uh put forward the children that they think are most into it um and they all get together and uh you get to meet authors and poets and do little workshops yeah it's really cool so cool that is amazing um so what what part of the uk do you live in um, I'm in Wales. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, did you hear last week's episode that I did with Benjamin Cross? I, I haven't yet. No. <laughs> okay. So Benjamin, Benjamin lives in the UK as well. And, um, we got to talking about accents and I think we spent probably 10 to 15 minutes talking about accents. And I happened to mention that the Welsh accent is my absolute favorite of all, like of pretty much of all accents. Um, but it's the one accent and he ended up calling it my, uh, my accent Achilles heel because it's the one accent that I'm never going to be able to, um, do justice if I try to imitate it. It's, I mean, it's just, it's impossible unless you have like, probably special training or you live there <laughs> it's just probably never gonna happen i mean i mean i think the issue with the welsh accent is and i've i've heard this from a lot of people um it's very melodic and it has almost a very similar melody to sort of indian accents like when indian people try to speak english or when indian people speak english without all the training to get to the sort of RP state it has a very similar kind of melody so often if you do a Welsh accent you can end up doing an imitation of an Indian person and then it kind of gets a little bit oh, um, I can't I can't do an Indian accent either yeah. I, I end up sounding like a poo from the Simpsons I mean it's just I, I end up sounding just absolutely horrible and you know I um you know, some languages are harder for me than others too. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I grew up with a mother who spoke Spanish. 
So my American tongue knows how to do the Spanish R's, you know, the, the rolling yeah. of your R's. I cannot move the rolling of that R into the back of my throat like you do for French. Can't right. do it. I have tried and I end up sounding like I'm about to yak. It's just, it's horrible. <laughs> so I'm like, just don't ask this American chick to try to speak French because it's not going to happen. I will end up sounding just absolutely like the worst hick in the world trying to speak French. It's just not going to happen. Um, I mean, you've, you've probably got on with Welsh because we do have a forward R. Um, I, I, I'm terrible myself. Like I, You can tell from my accent, I don't have the sort of standard Welsh accent. I'm, I've just somehow come out this kind of neutral, um, middle-class British sounding person. Um, but you know, I'm from the bottom of the valley. So the people that I've mixed with have always had quite strong Welsh accents and this is how I sound. Um, but yeah, the, the Welsh language has a forward rolled R, which you might, you'd probably be better at producing it than I. <laughs> <laughs> I I could probably like speak the language pretty well, but yeah. if I were to try, because you know the example that I gave last week is um, on the show Torchwood, the Doctor Who spinoff. Yeah. Yeah, Two yeah. of the characters, Glenn Cooper and Ayanto Jones, they have that beautiful Welsh accent. You know, those, those mm. soft vowels and, you know, yeah. it's just absolutely gorgeous. I have tried imitating that and I can't do it. I sound absolutely horrendous. It's just, I just can't do it. I could probably <laughs> speak the language. Like if you gave me like Welsh words yeah. to, to pronounce, I could probably do that fairly well. But the, I can't do like English with a Welsh accent. So yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. Um, but I do absolutely love the Welsh accent. I think it is absolutely gorgeous. It is probably my favorite of all time. I just can't ever imitate it. So um, <laughs> I, I I settle myself with, you know, just being able to listen to it. So, um, okay. So I um, wanted, because uh, I've had you scheduled for the podcast for weeks, probably two months <laughs> or more. I wanted so bad to read Labors of Stone before I had you on the show. Um, my friend uh, Gabe Hargrave, you're probably yeah. friends with him as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I had, there was a book that we had been talking about and he had mentioned that he wanted to read it and I managed to catch it on um, Kindle it was like on sale for like 99 cents. So I'm like, Oh, perfect timing. So I real quick gifted it to him. And he of course felt like he had to reciprocate, even though I didn't feel the same and wanted to find a book that he knew I would enjoy. And that was one of think I think of maybe two books that he had to choose from, um, that he thought that I would enjoy. And he, um, sent it to me and I, I did. I wanted to, to read it before uh, we met today. I just did not have a chance. Right. Well, then I shall keep all the spoilers under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we don't like spoilers here on the Piggy Bookworm either. So um, real quick, though, um, can you tell us a little bit of what it's about? Just... Um, so it's basically about... Uh, the, the main character, Ephra, is a romance writer um, who absolutely hates being a romance writer because as 
Like he he has never been in love. From what from his definition of love, which is finding the person, having the feelings, saying the thing, and then them saying it back and having all the feelings too. He's never had that. Um, so writing romance to him is something that he does because he needed the money and he got trapped into a contract that he then just had to keep pumping out books. Um, Poor Afra. But yeah, yeah, it's not it's not the best situation. But the book basically starts with him having had this horrible conversation with his publisher um, called who is called Halwyn Tarn, who has that Welsh accent that you love so much. Oh, um, he's a- he's actually based on um, in my head. He's a young Michael Sheen. <laughs> Oh, nice. Um, okay. Because because if you've ever heard Michael Sheen's true accent, he is very, very Welsh. I don't think I... And, okay, I'm going to have to look that up because uh, I don't think I have. And I I chose him... Like, in my head, I chose him specifically because I'd seen him reading War of the Worlds. Um, and when he reads War of the Worlds, he is so scary. And I've never heard a Welsh accent sound scary before. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I didn't even know they could sound scary. That's interesting. I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he... Anyway. Um, so he uh, he has this horrible conversation with his publisher. Um, and he's walking through the park in, in London. And he's being his usual miserable self. Um, and out from the bushes comes running a very tall, very gorgeous... Uh, godlike man with huge golden curls um, and almost falls into the river except Ephra stops him um, and that's kind of the beginning of the little uh, love sequence um, that happens in Labors of Stone um, but it is an urban fantasy um, oh. so it's it's not all that it appears to be um, and that's it's kind of all I can say about it because I like to let people find out what it actually is about on their own. Yes, um, I, I love that. I, I had um, a, a really good example of just how much I hate, hate, despise, think of the worst words you can think of that is on par with the word hate, hate spoilers absolutely hate them and um right before or right after the third um of the newer star wars movies um i think it was like return of the sith or something like that revenge of the sith and i was talking to a friend of mine and he goes oh just wait till you find out how vader becomes vader Mm -hmm. and i'm like I, I was talking to him on the phone and I'm like, I wanted to climb through the phone and throttle him. I was like, that is not cool. Because then it basically it ruined the rest of the movie for me because I'm sitting there subconsciously waiting for that one thing to happen to turn Vader into Vader. And I'm like, you know, and he's like, that's not a spoiler. And I'm like, how do you know what's a spoiler and what's not a spoiler? Yeah, you know, yeah. A, a spoiler is in the eye of the beholder, as far as I'm concerned. And so when, you know, especially when I'm writing book reviews, 
I am so careful. If I cannot write a good synopsis or write a good review without giving away too many spoilers, I will literally say that. I'm like, this review is going to be short, y'all, because I can't get spoilers. I, I can't do it. Just go read the book because I know you're going to like it. Yeah, that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, I mean, when, when I first started marketing Labors of Stone, I didn't even want to mention the fact that, you know, I, I said, oh, it's a, it's a queer urban fantasy. Um, but I didn't even want to mention that there's this massive twist because I know that for some people saying that there's a massive twist is a spoiler. Um, but it became almost like, like everyone who's read it has gone, I did not see that coming. <laughs> so me saying there's, there's a massive twist is like fodder for them to go, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out before I get to the end of the book. And they never do. And it's fantastic. Yeah, um, and, and I'm one of those people that, um, you know, I, I love the not knowing. I love the surprise that comes when a twist happens. And, you know, and I've read books like that where I'm like, I did not see that coming. Um, and an author that I have read and reviewed two of her books, um, Sally Hepworth, um, both of the books that I have read by her have, you know, the first book made me an auto buy. Like I will read anything that that author puts out does not matter. I will read it. And then I read the second book and I'm like, okay, she is really good at the emotional roller coaster ending in a twist that you did not see coming. That's, she's just amazing at that. And so I love that part about books where you're reading along and you're reading along and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's another um, series of books um, that if you enjoy uh, fantasy, it's the Roots and Stars series by Leah Talon. Um, hmm. The first book, Falling in the Weaving, I believe is the name of it, um, is the first book. It's out. The second one comes out later this year. And um, I have I got to proofread it. So I'm so, you know. And yeah. she, because she wanted it to stay consistent, she had me go ahead and look over the first one so that she could put out a new edition when she publishes the second book. And so I'm reading through the first book and you want to talk emotional roller coaster. Holy freaking crap. It's like one twist after another. And it's all the feels. It's all the emotions. It's I mean, and she has like such a lyrical way of writing that makes everything sound just gorgeous. And so when I'm done with the first book, I emailed her and I'm like, how could you do that to me? Seriously, my emotions. And then I finished the second book and I'm like, okay, I can kind of breathe now a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, if your book is anything like that, I can pretty much guarantee that I'm going to like it or love it or talk about it or <laughs> tell people I, I to read it. I'd say that, like, I don't know. Well, I I feel like it's probably not like an emotional roller coaster, but it is like it, it is like cute and funny and happy, and then 
you hit, it's it's like cute and funny and happy on the way up the roller coaster, <laughs> and then you hit the end, and then it plummets, and you're like, oh, okay. I, I think it's more like that. It's like a it's like a one drop roller coaster. So so basically, you will be sitting by your phone, waiting with bated breath for the DM from Pam, telling <laughs> you <laughs> that she did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean that that is basically what I've done for for everyone who's messaged me on Twitter to say I'm reading your book and um, <laughs> it has just been like okay well let me know how it goes yeah. <laughs> and I, I always say as well like as you're going along send me theories because I love to have a chuckle at what people think is going on as they kind of go along in the book. Um, Okay, but let I will, me, let I, me I just say then, I, <laughs> I will just say then, challenge accepted. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I will admit I'm not always great at figuring out the twist. Um, mm. Because most of the time, I don't want to know. I'm like, I, I want to just wait patiently. My husband loves the spoilers he loves to figure all of this stuff out we'll be watching a tv show and um i don't know if he can hear me talking about him in here um but we'll be watching a tv show and he'll be like oh this person did it <laughs> and i'm like okay pam you've been with him for six years you knew this about him just move on and you know because i used to get so frustrated just and I was and it wasn't anything that he could control I mean it was literally in brain out mouth and so after a couple of years of trying to train him not to do that to me I realized he there he just can't he can't not do it so I have just kind of learned to um ignore or repress the parts that I didn't want to know <laughs> And, you know, but we were watching, um, I know I had mentioned on Thursday that we were taking a day off yesterday from, um, our phones and our tablets and, and our computers. And so part of the day we spent watching, um, the paranormal activity movies. Yeah. We had already seen one and two. And so we started with three and we watched three and four. And when we got to four, about probably about halfway through I'm like okay this kid is that kid because there's right at the beginning this um kid gets abducted yeah and then it's like you don't see him for years and then mm. you know it moves forward like seven I think seven or eight years to this new family and you're like what the heck's going on? And so about halfway through, I'm like, oh, this kid is that kid. That, and yeah. um, my husband's like, no, I don't think so. And then like 10 minutes later, I get proved right. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, good job. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but I will say just, just real quick. Um, I will say the absolute best part of my husband not minding spoilers is the fact that he doesn't read. So I get to tell him all about the books that I'm reading and not have to worry about spoiling them for him. That nice. makes it really fun. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I am, I am your husband. Um, <laughs> um, I, I have been guessing the end of things since, well, at least since my school years. Um, cause I, I have a very clear memory of, uh, have you ever seen Cloverfield? Unfortunately. Yeah. I went to see that in the cinema. <laughs> oh God. Um, that would have given me a migraine. Like, <laughs> honestly it would have all of the all of the moving around and the shaking and yeah i mm -mm. i'm i mean i i was quite it, it was a very amusing day because there was friendship drama going on and people getting back together that have broken up in in in, re, in like reality that was happening and then on the screen um you know this dude is running across new york trying to find his girlfriend <laughs> um but there was a very there's a very clear moment in my mind where I was absolutely desperate to go to the loo. Um, and it was it was getting on in the movie, um, and it was, they'd been in the tunnel, and one of the girls had been bit or something by one of the monsters in the tunnel. And I turned to my friend, and I said, I need the loo, tell me if her head explodes, and just ran out of the room. <laughs> And I and I got back in time, just just in time to see her head explode. <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny. Um, do you remember? Uh, I know we're supposed to be talking about books, but you know, I'm sorry. Um, do you remember that old 1999 movie, um, The Haunting, with Lily Taylor, Owen Wilson, Liam Neeson, and uh, Catherine Zeta Jones? I don't think so no. okay um it is a it's a movie it came out in 1999 and it's a movie that's based on the haunting of hill house by shirley jackson oh. mm -hmm. and so the <laughs> a bunch of people from my church of all places had <laughs> um were wanting to go to wanting to go see the movie when it was in the theater mm. and they had asked my friend dave or our friend dave if he wanted to go see it, he's like, I'll go if Pam goes. So they come and they ask me if I want to go. And I'm like, I have been wanting to see that movie ever since I saw the previews. So yeah, for sure. So Dave comes to me later and he's like, you were supposed to say no. He was like, I didn't want to go see it. And I didn't think you did either. So I was going to use you as an excuse to not have to go. And I'm like, dude, I wanted to see the movie. So, you know, and so we go to see it. And um, because you haven't seen it, I will try to avoid spoilers. I I know I've read the Haunting of Hill House. Read the, so read the book. Okay, if, the if movie is a the movie is a little bit different. Mm. Um, and so about probably about thirty minutes into the movie, I lean over to my friend and I'm like, okay, she's related to the guy that built the house somehow <laughs> I was like I don't know how so we got to the end of the movie and he looked at me and he goes how did you know that and I'm like it was obvious to me I was like I don't know why it wasn't obvious to everybody else but it was obvious to me because there was some sort of connection with her and the house yeah. so um, I didn't actually find out until I think three years ago that it was based on a book it's been mm, one of my favorite yeah. movies for years and i finally listened to the audiobook and i'm like 
okay, I like the movie better. Because <laughs> the, the audiobook, and I, I'm sure the, the hardcover, like the, the written book is probably mm. better. But the audiobook really just kind of sounded like a woman's descent into madness. I mean, it is. It is. Um, okay, so like, I'm not wrong in that. Like, I, I read it very recently, um, and I had watched the Netflix adaptations first. Ah. Um, and I was kind of coming at, fr- coming at it from that angle, and I can see, like, to me it was like, it's decent, but there was, like... <sighs> It's missing something, that book. Um, Like, you can see what she's doing. Like, there's lots of bits that are meant to make you uncomfortable. There's lots of bits that kind of, like... um, There's, like, areas where the characters seem to be at each other's throats. And then in the next scene, they like each other again, and it's all fine. And nobody's had a conversation to make it better. It's just suddenly they're okay with each other. Um... And it's kind of all these weird bits that you don't know whether it's just the main characters going insane or whether they're all going a bit insane. And it's just the and, houses driving everybody bonkers. Yeah, there's like, and there's like a whole bit that I'm sure was just a massive hallucination where the two women go outside and seem to go through a whole forest and journey and come back and the men are like are you okay and they're like no we're not um there's just a lot of i think i remember that part in the in the audiobook yeah that what that's um i i it was it was difficult to read on page i can only imagine what it was like to hear that it was and not be able to like not be able to go back and reread it to check that you had just read what you thought you'd read um there is just a lot of stuff like that um but it was i think to me it was like it's an interesting experiment of a book um like it's definitely got its own style and its own voice um and it's some it's something i've not seen done before but at the same time it's just like there was something missing from it like i needed something extra rather than just girl goes to house and then stuff happens and then that ending which i'm i'm being vague because i don't want to spoil it vague on purpose um yeah if you really want to um experience the book without having to experience the book for any of my (laughs) listeners feel free to either check out the netflix tv show the haunting of hill house i believe is the the name of it or the movie The Haunting. I, I think probably probably the film adaptations are better because having having watched the Netflix adaptation, that is a completely different it's a completely different series. One um, of, one of the things that I loved the most about the movie The Haunting was mm. you know one the cast was incredible. I mean it was Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta Jones, yeah. Lily Taylor, and um, Owen Wilson. I mean, you've got like those are four pretty amazing yeah. actors, and so then you know, but then for the 1990s, I mean, we're talking right at the end of the 1900s. Um, 
special effects were not what they are now. So, you know, things like the matrix, things like the haunting, you know, those things like wild, wild west or independence day. I mean, that type of special effect that was not all that prevalent back then. And so when you found a movie with really good special effects, that became like a classic almost um, because it just yeah. wasn't something that we were used to back then. So the haunting had some really great special effects. There's mm. um, there's one point, not going to say like, I'm not going to give it any context or anything like that. Um, but there's one point in the movie where the lattice of a door, like there's a, a door in the house that has like that wooden lattice at the bottom. If the lattice like turns into a hand and like comes out and like <laughs> tries to grab and the way that it's done, you jump, like you, you yeah. can't help it. I mean, you jump, but then the way the, the visual of it is just really, really cool. So yeah, yeah go watch the hunting. I, I dare you. <laughs> uh, and if you hate it, feel free to come at me. I don't care. Um, I, I loved the movie. So, um, Okay, so let's talk, uh, let's move on from movies, um, and let's talk a little bit about your writing process, if you have one. Because um, I know, I mean, there's a lot of authors that I've talked to recently that they're like, yeah, I sit down and write a rough outline, or I don't plan anything, I sit in my computer and write. Um but a, a lot of the authors that I talk to fall somewhere in between. So um, what is your writing process like? Um, and do you have maybe any advice that you could give budding authors out there? So my writing process has kind of changed over the last few years. I used to be, um, I used to be that I'd plan a bit, write a bit, plan a bit, um, and I found that got me places quite slowly. Um, and then uh, moon sitting happened. And moon sitting was entirely pants and was the worst editing process <laughs> I've ever had to go through. Um, Poor I, <laughs> I think I think I rewrote the ending about six times. Um, and like large chunks of it as well. It was just, it was horrible. Um, so when it came to uh, Labors of Stone, um, Labors of Stone was actually like um, the first time I kind of tried what I would say is vomit drafting. Um, or it is somewhere between like a very, very detailed outline and just spewing random thoughts onto a page in like sections so I know what's going where. Um, so it, it, it's basically like I will write the book, but I won't make it make any sense <laughs> to anyone other than me. Um, like I, 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 I basically have like lines of dialogue, um, bits of description I think of at the time. Um, like I'll, I'll plan out a scene but it's not written very well. Um, and then what happens is when I then go back and I'm trying to like chug out words, I have exactly what I need to write in front of me there already. 
Um, and all I'm really doing then is sewing stuff together with like expanding the description, um, making sure the dialogue still makes sense in terms of, um, you know, movement around the room and whatever else. Um, and I also tend to like, there will be stuff that I change as I go along. Um, like in labors of stone, um, a lot of, uh, Ephra has a thing with birds. He really likes birds. Um, none of that was in the first draft in the, in that kind of vomity draft that I did. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think what else. But, oh, there's a lot of, um, dream sequences in Labors of Stone that weren't in there at the beginning and actually came in, I think I think it was at the beta reader stage, someone said, you need something to break this up. Um, so I put a couple of scenes in there. Um, but yeah, I've definitely, with the, with the project I'm now working on, um, I've done a, I did a vomit draft and then I've ended up doing another vomit draft. <laughs> um, but the only issue being last night, I realized that I've now, I, w I was sat there trying to write this character. And the last time I tried to write this character, because um, I got about 10K into writing the actual story with the first vomit draft before I, I went, something is missing. vomit draft. That's so fantastic. <laughs> I, I really think instead of calling books works in progress i think we just need to call them vomit drafts from like <laughs> now on i i just do <clears throat> the, the, uh, i probably should be using the term zero draft because i know there are people that like when you say the word vomit feels sick um but i, I say vomit draft because it did it, it's, it's so fun. it's what it, it is just, it is i just yeah i and um you know i i have to be really careful when um using words like that because i do have a very sensitive gag reflex and mm -hmm. i have a metaphobia really bad so mm. um you know things like and for the longest time i could not handle the word vomit because my mom would use it all the time that was like the only word that she used and so it just kind of became synonymous with you know especially along with emetophobia it just became synonymous with okay now my brain's gonna take over and I'm going to be visualizing that for the next mm. you know three days and because I'm talking like full-on PTSD flashbacks <laughs> I mean it's having a metaphobia and I, my friend Liz Holland uh, from the UK as well um, she gets it Liz if you're listening I, I know you get it and I see you um, and it's it is just not fun because your brain will literally take over and you will just visualize it for three days it's absolutely terrible mm. but I have learned over time not to be scared of that word so you know, I, I don't use it very often. Um, I especially don't use it when referring to the actual act because then it's going to cause issues. <laughs> but calling it things like a vomit draft, I, I don't, I, I <laughs> like that. I just, I really do. Because I, I just kind of see, uh, in my head, I just kind of see like 
somebody's sitting at their desk and it's like the top of their head is open and like all of these words are just like spilling <laughs> out into the computer. It's not coming out their mouth, so it's not actually vomiting, but it's, you know, so yeah, I just kind of see this, you know, just words like spewing into the computer and it's, I, I don't know, my brain thinks it's hilarious, so. <laughs> well, that's good. To, um, but, uh, yeah, like, oh, that's, uh, yeah, sorry, brain fucking gift. Um, <laughs> Sorry, no, I, um, I changed the subject and went on a tangent. I'm sorry. No, no, it's my, my brain was trying to get... Yeah, never mind. Um, uh, no, I, I was... Last night, I was kind of... Um, I was trying to write this character again and realized that because I've um, redone the, the vomit draft, um, <laughs> I now know what the ending is so well that... Um, I'd lost all the kind of sarcastic sassiness out of the character, um, which was part of why, like, I, I don't write. Well, I do. I do write in first person occasionally, um, but I don't do it like unless I like the character. Um, and basically, I was sat there going, "Why am I writing this in first? I could be writing this in third, and it'd be so much easier. Why did I ever want to write this in first? Um, and then I realized, yeah, I'd taken all the fun out of the character <laughs> because I knew, because I knew what the end was. <laughs> um, so I then had to go back through and edit everything to make sure that the character was there. <laughs> um, we love but, sassy yeah. characters. Yeah, there's yeah. Um, there's um, a book. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but there's a book. Um, it's a series. Um, Fear and Fury. Torment and Tarnish, and I can't remember what the third one is. The third one's Something in Sorrow um, by Jamie Jackson. And mm -hmm. the the main character in that series is really sassy like that. Like, she is, <laughs> like, she is hardcore snarky. And, you know, the one of the things that I love about her is she'll say something and then you'll see like the next line will be like, yeah, I said what I said. Shut up. You know? <laughs> I was just like, OK. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love the, the sassy characters like that. So were you able to um, get your character back to where you wanted wanted him or her? Uh, I think so. Um, he's he's an awkward one um, because uh, he is a minister, um, but he he's a gay minister. Um, so it's kind of walking this line of um, he's he's had a lot of issues with being a gay minister, um, and he's um, he's just come out of a very sort of serious talking to at the beginning of this book. Um, and he's had to move to a different town um, and take over a different church. Um, and it is, it's sort of, he does have quite a lot of nerves around, you know, he, do, he doesn't want to move on again. He does want to kind of stay where he is and put down roots and, have a life um but at the same time he really likes what he does um and he you know uh it, yeah it, it's he's a very tricky one but he does have this kind of 
slightly rough and tumble sort of nature about him in that he's just like i've been through too much um like i i can't be bothered to it's sort of like he has a very good sense of humor and none of that was coming through in what i'd written um because the beginning of the book is kind of like uh getting to the place and then disaster striking and then um disaster strikes i mean because what else is gonna happen (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but it's kind of like with with labors of stone it's written in the third person so it's kind of got this overhead comical narrative that's going on um like i i kind of uh went for a sort of Douglas Adams, Terry, Pr- Terry Pratchett-y kind of tone um, for Labors of Stone. See, you're but, making, um, I'm going to have to read this book, like, immediately, because <laughs> you're making me want to read it more and more. Which, you know, of course, I mean, would be the, the hope that, you know, people would want to read your book. So let me just say it's working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if you do read Labors of Stone and you don't get, if, if you get to the end and you haven't figured it out, but the whole way through i always recommend reading it twice um because one of the things i sell it on is hidden puns um which is basically because i knew what was going to happen in that story um i decided to put all of the jokes into it that you don't get until you actually know what's happening in that story to amuse myself um (laughs) Which, you know, I, one of the reasons why I started reading more and more indie and self-published books was, you know, one, because I, you know, joined the community, the book community on Twitter, and I had all of these awesome author friends wanted to support them. But then at the same time, I love unique and I love individualistic. And one of the things that I have so much trouble with in the mainstream book community is in that, in that arena, if you're reading a romance book, it pretty much follows the same formula, regardless of what author you're reading you're going to basically read the same story. Danielle Steele has literally two books. I was talking about this with my husband this morning. She has two books that I will read. That's it. Because all of her other books are, I mean, they just really feel the same just over and over and over. And yeah, she's super successful. Um, quote unquote. Um, but all of her books seem to follow the same formula. And, yeah. you know, the the two books that I um, really enjoy are um, not necessarily because they don't, because they follow the same formula, but because they, um, the stuff inside the formula is um, subjects that I enjoy um, or like, yeah. or like reading about. Uh, one is a woman who she gets out of a physically abusive relationship, ends up in a relationship with a man that she feels like she's safe with him because he doesn't hit her. Um, mm-hmm. And then gradually learns 
that he's verbally and mentally and emotionally abusive. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to be, you don't have to hit somebody to be abusive. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily feel safe because the person doesn't hit you. Um, Mm. And so that type of, you know, her really learning about that part of herself and moving forward from that part of herself um, is what I really like about that book. It's not that it, follows the formula because it does. Um, but it's, you know, her going through all of that and learning about herself and and moving forward through that. That's what I like about that book. Um, but when I started reading the, the Indian self-published books, I was getting unique stories. I was getting Mm -hmm. stories that don't always follow that formula. And, you know, for that reason, Unfortunately, a lot of them aren't marketable in traditional yeah. publishing. I, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fact of life. I'm really sorry, guys. It's, it's just, it's a fact. But that doesn't mean they're not good books. And it doesn't mean they're yeah. not worthy books um, of our reading and our enjoyment. So, um, you know, I, I love bringing exposure to them. And I love supporting them and lifting them up. Um, because they are unique and they are individualistic. And you know, you guys write those stories because you have them in you and they need to be told. So I, I really need to read a Rosetta like very, very, very soon because you added all of these puns and now I need to know what puns you added. And I, yeah. So, um, Gabe, I know you'll be listening. I promise very, very soon. I will read Lamers of Stone. I will read your gift. I promise. Um, and while we are on that subject, you and I on Twitter announced that we were going to have a secret. And the secret is, are you guys ready? Drum roll, drum roll. Yeah, I don't know how to do drum roll on my computer. So drum roll. I am giving away a Kindle copy of Labors of Stone to one of my picky bookworm subscribers. But the second part, I know, woo-hoo, um, that will be um, international because they will be able to um, to purchase the, um, the book um, and send it um, internationally. And we do have... Uh, another secret and would you like to <laughs> announce that one uh yeah uh, i we will also be giving away a signed proof copy of yes. labors of stone so that's a it's a little paperback um there are only five proof copies in in the world <laughs> um, so it so, will yeah. be so it will be like a limited edition yeah. collectible because yeah. um, it's i mean yeah, I'm sure it's, um, I mean, you have like probably author plates that you can send to people if they want a signed uh, copy, but to have a signed author proof, you guys, this is mm-hmm. kind of a big deal. Um, the signed author proof will actually be open to both my Twitter followers and M's Twitter followers. Uh, so if you are not following either one of us, you really should, because we will be announcing that for sure um, on Twitter and uh, letting people know about that. I do believe, um, M, you said that you would be shipping internationally 
Yep, yep, I can do that. (laughs) Okay, so um, anybody in the U.S., uh, Canada, uh, the U.K., if you want to get in on this giveaway, be sure to pay attention to our Twitter feeds because we will be announcing that for sure. So um, while I have you on here, I did open up my um, website um, admin so that I could get you to help me pick a winner out of my subscribers. Um, I have, let me look at them. I have 73. Oh, I know. I don't have very many yet, but I have, um, I mean, I I mean, that's almost as many people who bought my book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So I have, I am just going to say, pick a number between one and 72 because I have actually hold on I think I am one of your subscribers so that won't make sense um we'll do 1 to 70 because mm-hmm. yeah because it looks like I, I've had a couple people um unsubscribe so um so yeah let's do one, 1 to 70 give me a number um let's go with 48 48 okay let's see i'm gonna have to count through this list so i'm really sorry guys one two three four five Okay, I have Adrian at Bookshelf Discovery at gmail.com so if you are a listener to the podcast which i hope you are um <laughs> you have just won a kindle copy i will also tag you on uh twitter and i will send you an email and let you know so um if you do not listen then this would be your uh cue to hey come and listen to my podcast um because you might win a book. You never know. So, um, again, that is Adrian with Bookshelf Discovery. So, yes, I will be sending you an email and letting you know that you won a book. Woo-hoo. Um, okay, so we have about seven minutes left. Uh, six minutes left, excuse me. So, do you have... Um, I know that... Um, When it comes to writing advice, I hear a lot of, you know, well, everybody's writing is different and, you know, and all of that, but I still kind of like to add a a piece of writing advice because I know that there are some brand new authors out there. They haven't quite figured out their own writing process yet. Um, And I like to give people some options on maybe things to try if they're struggling finding their own writing process. So 
Do you have any pieces of advice that you could give to a brand new author, somebody who's decided they want to write a book and hasn't started yet, anything like that? Um, so there's so many things going around in my head right now. Um, I think like if you're a new writer, then I, I think the thing is just to start and like, you're talking to a person who just their first draft is a bunch of nonsense. So if you need to start with nonsense, just do it. Just because it, it takes all the it takes all the tension out of it takes the tension out of the blank page, it takes the tension out of making it perfect, um, and it takes the tension out of writing that first draft because you've already got something down. Um, so I mean, I I recommend this a lot to people who sit there for hours trying to make every word perfect. Um, particularly if they're also a pantser and they do that because that can take forever yeah um like if you really struggle with perfectionism take the take it completely to like just throw it out the window and just write trash there's it doesn't have to be a perfectionist later the the time to be a perfectionist is not when you're writing that first draft um, no, no, yeah. really isn't. I, um, I have, you know, that, that is amazing advice. And, you know, just starting is super, super important. Um, you know, when I am writing a blog post or when I'm writing a shop listing um, for my picky bookworm shop, open later this month. Uh, <laughs> small plug, just, you know, um, patience is a virtue. Um, but, you know, I will... You know, his I, you know, I am one of those like chronological writers. You know, when I'm writing a blog post, I like to start with my introduction and I like to end with my conclusion. And, um, you know, there are some books that when I go to review them or some blog posts, when I go to write them, I, I have to start in the middle. Um, you know, my recent review that I wrote, uh, for my friend Katie's book, uh, between the birches that I had to do that. I had to start with the synopsis of the book. I didn't know what my introduction was going to be yet. I had absolutely no idea. Um, so yeah, just, you know, taking, you know, you can freeze, like literally freeze into inaction. If you don't, you know, even if you just write, something I don't know what to write here but I'm gonna keep writing because (laughs) I'm taking the tension away from having a blank page eventually those words are going to start to come and eventually those words are are going to start to mean something um and the another piece of advice that I heard um, a while back from my friend Jay is understand your first draft is going to suck (laughs) And I always thought that that was really great advice, which is understand that that first draft is going to be terrible because you can always go back and fix it later. So, um, okay. Well, we just have a couple of minutes left. Where can we find you? Um, I am on Twitter, uh, at EM underscore writing. Um, I'm also on TikTok under the same app. Uh, and you can find you can find the rest of me through my link trees. They're in the bios of both of those. Do you have Do you um, have a website? 
Um, I do. Uh, I don't use it very often. <laughs> um, it's uh, emmort.wordpress.com. It's com is what it's going for. Um, but because uh, my middle name is Mort, that, that's what that is. Um, but uh, yeah, with, with my website, it's mainly I use it um, for my editing services and I put indie author reviews and stuff on there too. Awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, M, for coming and visiting with me today. And I, I had an absolute blast. And I, I did get to hear just a little bit of your uh, beautiful Welsh accent. I did get to hear some of those softer <laughs> vowels. So, yes, I was listening for them because I'm just <laughs> weird. Uh, I'm glad but, you can hear them. I never can. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you so much for coming and visiting with me today. I had an absolute blast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye-bye.